This week on The Fuqua Show, Hebe Zhao shares a fascinating non-traditional background. She grew up in China, came to the U.S. for school, and worked in scuba diving, both as an instructor and on the business side. I chatted with her about scuba, international business, and integrating her passion into her work. Welcome to The Fuqua Show, where we hear about the stories, experiences, and insights of Team Fuqua. I'm your host, Thomas Cheng, and today's guest is Hebe Zhao. Welcome, Hebe. Thank you, Thomas. Happy to be here. Really excited. So I'm excited as well. Hebe has a really interesting story. Hebe Zhao is a second-year MBA student at Fuqua, and before business school, she worked for five years in the scuba diving industry, starting as a master scuba diver trainer and eventually as a CFO for the Greater China Office. So lots to talk about with scuba diving, international business, your personal journey. Let's go ahead and jump in. All right. So you grew up in China, and I'd like to hear a little bit about what that was like, what your upbringing was like there. Yeah, absolutely. So I was born and raised in Beijing until I was about 13 years old. And I grew up with a single mother as my dad moved to the U.S. when I was fairly young, when I was about seven. School in China is very different than schools in the U.S. You know, I think it's more tests and scores based versus kind of learning to critically think and learning to find your own strength and be more well-rounded. So I think that was why I uh, chose to come to the U.S. in middle school and to be educated in the U.S. And you studied in the U.S., middle school, high school, all the way to college, focusing on finance and math mostly. What sparked your interest in those fields? Uh, so my parents are both engineers. So from a young age, I was exposed to math. And also I was quite good at it. So I've always studied math pretty extensively. But by the time I went to college, I realized that I wanted to work with people more um, as well as math. So I thought maybe finance was a good combination of the two. So I studied finance for undergrad. And you did a finance job right out of undergrad. What did you take away from that experience? Yeah, so I worked in the financial management program within General Electric's uh, energy sector. And it, it was a rotational program. So every six months, we have to move to a new place within the United States, sometimes internationally. And for one of the trainings we had, where we had to fly into the corporate campus of GE, Crotonville at the time, and all of the young leadership, I guess, trainees uh, participated in the training and had to kind of give each other critical feedback after working together for a week. And I remember so distinctly that one of the feedbacks I got was that I was too nice. And I thought, how could that be? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was quite strong and, uh, you know, direct with my opinions. But I think that really kind of woke me up in people's perception of me and also helped me be a leader later on in life to take advantage of that niceness. <laughs> Now, after that chapter at GE, you've told me about how you were at this moment in your life where you wanted to decide what to do next. Walk us through that process. What did that look like for you? Yeah. So I grew up in a very traditional Chinese background, you know, so my parents were always very focused on education, you know, STEM education, math, finance, and work really hard. And as a result, uh, by the time I was in my mid-20s, I don't feel like I had a choice in what I was doing. So 
during my my job at GE, I also had opportunities to travel abroad, where I saw and met so many different people from different walks of life. For example, I met somebody in Costa Rica from I think Sweden at the time. He was in Costa Rica to learn about how to do construction with bamboo. As more of a sustainable material, right? So I thought, wow, what a cool journey that he had. So that kind of inspired me to do something similar. So as soon as I finished my program at GE, I went on my own journey and took a two-year sabbatical and started traveling. And when I first started traveling, I really didn't know what I was doing or where I wanted to go, right? So I did a meditation retreat in Myanmar during my backpacking trip there. And for those of you that don't know, a vipassana retreat is about ten days in a Buddhist temple, and you are not allowed to talk to people, have eye contact or physical contact with people. You don't have any technology because the idea behind is that, you know. As a human being in today's society, we're constantly stimulated by external factors. So, as a result, today's human don't have enough time to be with ourselves,、um, to observe our own thoughts, to observe our own feelings. So, the retreat gives us a chance to do that. And during that retreat, I really thought a lot about what I wanted to do in life and my. And reflected about my past, and I realized that I really wanted to explore something different that I've never done, or I haven't had either the opportunity or haven't been comfortable enough to step out of my comfort zone to to pursue some of those opportunities. So I decided to try a list of three things, and one thing was I've always loved children, so I really wanted to work with young children and try if that's the path for me. And two, I love nature. One time, I went snorkeling in Hawaii and absolutely was stunned by what I saw <laughs> under those waters. I thought, wow, this is a new world, and I really wanted to try something under the ocean. And three was that I really wanted to try maybe be a travel guide or tour guide of some sort. So after my vipassana retreat, I was. On to try all three things. I really enjoy to work with children. However, I didn't feel it was the most fulfilling role. So when I tried scuba diving for the first time, I was absolutely amazed and fell in love immediately. And I also learned that the scuba diving instructor was desperately in need of Mandarin-speaking instructors because of the volume of Chinese divers and Chinese tourists. So that's what I realized that there's a job opportunity here for me. So I went from what they call zero to hero. So I went from A very brand new diver to a professional diver, what is now called a master scuba diver trainer with、uh, Patty. That's quite the journey. <laughs> And for those listening, Patty P A D I is the Professional Association of Diving Instructors. Right. Now, I want to add some more color to that story. So, where were you when you tried the diving for the first time? I was in Koh Lanta, Thailand. Koh Lanta, Thailand. Yeah. And what made you? Go immediately from trying it for the first time, loving it, to saying, "I'm going to teach other people how to do this." I think that came more naturally. So at first, when I fell in love with diving, I just wanted to keep doing it every single day. And then I quickly realized the cheapest way to do that is to enroll in a dive master program, which is the 
diving has many different levels of certification. You start with open water diver and then advanced and then rescue and then dive master. And then dive master program is really the longest one where you dive every single day for about two months. <laughs> did you do that one? I did. Yeah. You have to do that in order to become instructor later. So I did that for two months and I would follow instructors on their guided dives or on their trainings for students. And I, I, I thought, wow, I want to do the same. They look so cool. <laughs> so I eventually enrolled in the instructor course and became an instructor myself and started working for about a year in Kolanta, Thailand, and then another year in Indonesia with uh, Bali and Komodo Islands. So a few weeks ago, we talked with Courtney Kaplan, and she talked about being a music teacher. Mm -hmm. For you, what was the hardest thing about learning how to teach mm -hmm. others how to do scuba diving? I think what I really learned is responsibility because I remember distinctly one time, this was actually when I was still a, a dive master trainee. So I was following another instructor on one of the training dives. We were about a hundred feet down with this couple and the girl took out the regulator mouthpiece out of her mouth. So a uh, regulator is the instrument that you use to connect between the tank to regulate the pressure of the air to become the breathable pressure. And she took it out of her mouth and then put it back in and forgot how to clear it. Because when you take it out, it's filled with water. And when you put it back in your mouth, you have to clear it in order to breathe air again. She forgot to clear it and we we're about a hundred feet down and she started freaking out. And I was behind her and I saw it. And, and so I went up to her and put it back in her mouth, cleared it for her. And she started breathing again. And I could see her in her eyes that she was in the most panic mode I had ever seen in anyone. And, you know, she was becoming kind of red and purple color. And immediately we started ascending back to the surface in order to calm her down further. So I think that incidence really taught me how to be responsible. Because, you know, when you're an instructor in such an extreme environment with people who don't necessarily know how to use their equipment very efficiently, you have to be extremely cautious in reading their body language and their facial expressions. And keep in mind, underwater, you also cannot communicate verbally. So that body language becomes even more important. So I thought that was the most difficult aspect of teaching scuba diving, and it was also the most rewarding one. And for you, how did you even muster up the, I'll call it, courage to take on that responsibility? I can't imagine doing anything that is so closely tied to somebody's survival like that. I think because by the time I became an instructor, I already had over two or three hundred dives under my belt. So I felt very comfortable underwater. I was very familiar with the equipment, which is, you know, 99% of scuba diving is mastering the equipment use. And that 1% is staying calm, <laughs> I, I, I think. So I also... It was kind of an apprenticeship, the training process. So I also followed on many training dives by different instructors, and I was able to see how they handle different situations. And, you know, I think it's really a matter of becoming more and more comfortable and more confident in your own skills in handling different situations. And that helped me have the courage to do that. <laughs> and aside from the person who you just mentioned, do you have other memorable stories of people you've taught? So I remember... When I was fairly a new instructor, we were diving in 
uh, Koh Lanta as well in Thailand, and we saw a whale shark. And that was my first and only time of seeing whale sharks. They're very elusive, and they're not common in that area of Thailand. So we were all shocked. And there's no words that can describe the feeling of seeing a whale shark. They're huge. They're the size of two maybe MTA buses in New York City. And they move so gracefully and they're absolutely beautiful. So I remember seeing them and with their tail swinging and feeling a big wave current coming at me um, and my students behind me, I was in awe. I couldn't stop looking at the whale shark. By the same time, I had to look after the safety of my clients. So um, I had to, you know, kind of keep my eye off the whale shark to make sure my clients were okay. <laughs> well, you did the scuba diving instructing, scuba diving instruction, excuse me, and then decided to stay with Patty and move into a finance role. How did that happen? And walk us through that path. Yeah, absolutely. So I think by the end of my, what you would call a sabbatical, maybe, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was really doing more of the management role. Um, I was managing dive centers or resorts that had dive centers. So I was able to see how the, the operations of the dive center were were doing. And I was already doing quite a bit of spreadsheets, doing pricing and payments. And uh, that was very interesting to me. So when I saw a financial analyst role opening in Patty, which is the largest company of scuba diving in the world. They dominate about 80% of the scuba market share. And the role was based in California. I thought that was a very natural transition. And I also, I think it was time for me to go back to the corporate world. So I took that role. And actually, one of the first questions the HR person interviewing me asked was, are you okay with going back to a corporate environment after, you know, basically having the ocean as your office for the past two years. (laughs) And I had to explain to her, hey, scuba diving, you know, it's an instructor job, but also there's a lot of office management job as well. So I I think I'm ready for that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, how was that transition for you going from the ocean back to the four walls of the office? So two folds. One was that I think I was still in shock a bit because I never thought in my life that I would end up scuba diving for two years. <laughs> and teaching <laughs> and, scuba diving. And teaching, yeah, and having more than a thousand dives under my belt, right? So I never thought that would happen. So when I went back to, you know, the US and the corporate world, I was still in shock. Sometimes I th- I still dream about scuba diving, these seeing these fantastic creatures underwater and sometimes flashes of scuba diving memories will come up. But at the same time, I was also very excited to be there because coming from an instructor background, which is a very front line of scuba diving, right, into an organization that managed the industry overall, it was a very exciting role. I also was a financial analyst, so I was able to see not only the financial data, but also all of the consumer data that went along with it. So it was super cool to see some of the trends to be able to analyze that data to uh, see the market overall on a higher level. So that was also very exciting for me. And what were some of those surprising trends that you saw? Yeah, absolutely. So I did this analysis trying to figure out, for example, how can we predict 
if a diver is trained in country A, for example, if if I was trained in Thailand for my first training, where I would like to go next? Because we wanted to follow this consumer journey. We wanted to be able to market to our customers effectively and be able to retain those customers, right? It's much more expensive to acquire a new diver than to have an existing diver continue diving with us. So we wanted to be able to kind of leverage that. So I did that analysis based on our past data to see what's the pattern or if there was one. So my original hypothesis was that people, for example, if they dive in Thailand for the first time, they would like to go somewhere else next time. But I was so wrong. It turns out data suggests that people would like to go back to the same place for the next dive or they would like to dive at home. So those two actually take up about 70 to 80 percent of the second dives. So I thought that was a very interesting pattern, a pattern that we didn't expect before. So I started working with the marketing department and launched a welcome home marketing campaign in order to kind of advertise existing consumers to realize, to learn that, hey, there is a dive store near you as well. Um, you can dive with them locally. You don't have to go back and travel that far for your next dive. So that was a very interesting pattern. Well, speaking of going home, you ended up staying with Patty and actually going back to China, working for the organization there to grow the scuba diving market in that region. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I got very lucky. <laughs> I met the president of the Greater China office and she she liked me. She liked that I spoke Mandarin. She liked that I come from finance and she was looking for a finance manager at the time as well. So she offered me the position and the CFO supported my move. So I ended up moving to the greater China office, which is based in Beijing, which is actually where I grew up. My, my mom still lives there to work as the CFO or the finance manager for the greater China office. And that was a very interesting welcome home moment because I actually... Even though I grew up speaking Chinese and I'm my first language is Mandarin, but I never was educated in Mandarin. So when I, I remember going to the tax office trying to figure out what we need to submit <laughs> to pass the annual audit and I didn't even know the names for balance sheet or income statement in Chinese. So I had to write them all down in the pronunciation in pinyin and then later Google translate them. And the tax office people were looking at me like, how are you responsible for this fi company's <laughs> finance if you didn't even know what an income statement was? <laughs> so that took a couple of months to adapt to learn the technical language in Mandarin. But overall, super cool. And what is the scuba diving market or what was it looking like in China? That's something I'd be fascinated to learn more about. Yeah, so I think scuba diving in general is a very new market in China versus it's very mature in a market like US or Europe, especially France. Scuba diving was actually, I guess you can call it invented by the French. It was. And they, wow. yes, and the French people hold a lot of world records for depth or length of free diving and whatnot. But comparably, the Chinese market is very immature. It's very new. But you can see some interesting data associated with that. For example, China is actually the only country in the world where female divers are significantly more than male divers. So a new market in China, how do you adapt that marketing strategy for this population? We realized that it was important to market to younger female divers in China, right? So 
one really effective strategy is the mermaid divers. <laughs> I'm mm. not sure if you saw them on no, what TikTok. Is that? So they're kind of a trend now. So it's where people learn how to free dive versus scuba dive. Free diving is where you go into the water holding your breath, usually for about a minute to two minutes at a time, versus scuba diving is going in the water with a tank. And so mermaid diver is basically when you dress as a mermaid and you move like a mermaid so you wear a monofin instead of two fins and you move like a mermaid underwater to entertain or for your own pleasure pleasure and whatnot so that is extremely popular among young female divers in china so it's also advantageous for chinese uh, population in general because china doesn't have enough natural resources for scuba diving. In order for you to scuba dive, we need, you know, warm climate. We need a, a pretty nice visibility in terms of water quality, as well as ease of traveling, which comes with money, right? So unfortunately in China, most of the coastal areas are not diving friendly with the exception of maybe Hainan Island. So that's why Mermaid Diver is easier to market because you can, you know, dress as a mermaid and dive within a swimming pool or aquarium or a pond or anything so on so forth that doesn't require natural resources or doesn't require traveling. So it's very popular. So in general, what are your your big lessons from entering a new market or growing in a new market? I would say I think China was just so different. For example, you know, it's just a completely different market from anything we've seen. For example, you know, WeChat Pay or Alipay is very common in China. So as a result, with the ease of payment, people love to order online. So when I moved to China, I realized the old American way of selling, for example, calling somebody on the phone to place an order was not a style that's suitable for Chinese consumers. So we decided to build an online shop that's compatible with WeChat Pay and Alipay in order to sell our products that fits the Chinese consumer habit better. And that was quite successful as well because our consumers adapted very quickly. And as a result, that was able to save us a lot of manpower as well. We pretty much saved the entire sales team that was placing orders manually. Right. So different consumers, different platforms, completely different ecosystem overall. So that differences led to an importance of my role in bridging that gap of communication and understanding. So every single day I was in meetings with the headquarters, with our Australian office, which is the headquarter for our APAC team, and our California office, which is the headquarter overall for Patty, to kind of communicate that differences and what we were doing to kind of educate them on the Chinese market. And it was a, an amazing experience. So you wrapped up at Patty, came to Fuqua, and then went back into finance, did investment banking over the summer. What's bringing you back into that world? When I was at Patty China, I was really the sole owner to our financial analytics data. So as a result, I was advising to our president of the Greater China office on many different initiatives or projects by using data to support the arguments or initiatives. So that really got me interested in an advisory role. I wanted to continue to advise different companies on their initiatives. And I also really like the consumer retail industry overall. And that's why I'm going into the consumer retail group. And I'm not sure exactly when we'll air this, but for 
other students who are recruiting for investment banking or preparing to go into investment banking, any tips for them, especially those from maybe more non-traditional backgrounds? I would say leverage that non-traditional background and I would encourage people with non-traditional background to recruit for investment banking because it just gives you more of an edge and it makes you more interesting to the bankers. You know, it helps you stand out among many different candidates who might come from a very traditional background and leverage that and a different perspective is always appreciated. And it's clear that you're a a diehard scuba diving fan. (laughs) For those who are listening who might be interested, what's the best place to scuba dive near Durham? And how can beginners sign up? Yeah. So there is a dive shop in Durham called Water World Marine. uh, And they provide many different services from entry level certification to a more pro level certification training. And feel free to contact them by their website and give them a call. And before we all take a trip to Water World Marine, how can students learn more if they're interested? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually invited the CEO of Patty, Drew Richardson, to come do a speaker series to the Fuqua students in February. So stay tuned on Fuqua Connect. Awesome. Thank you so much, Hebe, for sharing your story and your journey. And best of luck moving forward. Thank you. Thank you.